Uh, good afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, I have the pleasure of um, hosting a panel with uh, a few uh, companies that we've had the pleasure of working exceptionally close with uh, over the years, uh, in particular here in Japan, where they've all uh, successfully conducted uh, various types of, of business, uh, for our part, mostly um, related to financing. But um, I thought it'd be interesting to get the panelists' perspectives on the lessons learned from uh, their dealings in Japan and uh, what it takes to, to get an entrance into this market because the Japanese market is um, a fairly high barrier to entry market. Uh, I think in all aspects, if you want to order a new building in Japan, you don't just call up the shipyard and tell them you want uh, three slots. You could do that in China, maybe in Korea, but not in Japan. If you want to borrow money, you don't just send an email to a Japanese bank and tell them you want to borrow money. It takes certain due process, and, uh, and it can be at times quite tedious for overseas companies to, to transact in this, uh, in this uh, country. But uh, there are, of course, uh, big benefits also to, to being here. So that's the kind of the general theme on the topics we want to cover here. So maybe we can, uh, can start with you, uh, Nikos, uh, from Starbulk. Uh, on which fronts is your business uh, connected with Japan? Can you hear me okay? First of all, thank you, Nicholas, and uh, to Capital Link for inviting us here. Um, for Starbuck, uh, the, the Japanese market has been traditionally the place uh, where we have conducted uh, most of our business. We are related to the Japanese market, of course, in the new building arena, having built uh, 10 vessels uh, several years ago, the latest eco-generation ships, Capes and Capsamaxes, on the time charter in business, which is what we have been doing during the past uh, few years with uh, friendly uh, Japanese domestic owners. Of course, Japanese financing, uh, and of course with, with friendlies, both traditional financing and sell and lease back. Starbuck is the uh, largest dry bulk company listed in NASDAQ with 122 bulk carriers. Thanks, and uh, I guess maybe what would be, uh, you've obviously been in this market for, for a very long time, if we uh, look at someone who's maybe a, a more uh, recent entrant uh, on the, at least on the financing side, uh, Stamatis, you know, how, how long have you been um, doing business in Japan and what would you say are the key hurdles and, and gating items um, to uh, achieve success the way you have? Thank you. Um, once again, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, Nicholas, and thank you, Nicholas, for doing this uh, great event, so very happy to be here in one of our favorite uh, cities. Um, we take great pride in the deals that we have conducted uh, here in Japan. Um, our initial contact started back in 2015 and then 2017. In the last uh, three years, we have been extremely active in the country. We have bought uh, a big number of ships from Japanese uh, sellers, Japanese owners. We have done a lot of uh, financing here in Japan, both uh, in selling these bucks as well as direct uh, financing. We have one of our most strategic partners, uh, NYK, in commercial management, that we do a lot of ships uh, in chartering with them. So we have been very active here in Japan and we like the way of uh, conducting business. We feel it's very good to the mentality and the psychology of our company. We like direct and transparent approach as it is here in Japan, and uh, 
the fact that uh, you know you have a deal and you have a, a good deal that is not going to change in the future, and that's something that we like and uh, we appreciate. We have the option of doing a lot of business uh, globally. Uh, so for us, doing business in Japan is a matter of uh, choice, and it's a matter that, uh, you know, for our company, as I said before, uh, it fits very, very well with the character and the psychology of uh, Synergy and United Group. Thank you. Um, and then one for, for you, George, uh, which is, I guess, particularly relevant for your uh, business. Has financing in Japan been linked to business with Japanese counterparties, or has your uh, pursuit of Japanese financing been done on a standalone basis? You know, you work uh, in the car carrier industry. Clearly, Japan is one of the major exporters of cars. How closely do you see the link between, you know, the role that Japan plays in the call it underlying cargo that you're transporting the operators and your pursuit of financing here? Yeah, so uh, um, our company is uh, in car carriers. Uh, we're stock listed in Oslo. Also, you can buy our stock in New York on the OTCQX. Uh, Japan is probably our most important market. Uh, we are in car carriers. It's long-term business. We're transporting cars. It's a very high-value uh, product and it's important uh, for Toyotas and everyone of this world that we take very good care of their cars. Uh, this is why when we approached the Japanese market more than 40 years ago, we have built up over the years for now more than 40 years this trust with our customers, with all the big three, uh, um, NYK, MRLK line, but also some of the smaller operators in Japan. So with that same approach, we have always, we have been in the past, done sale and lease back, we've done Jokos, uh, and now we are also very proud to capitalize on our name and our, our good contracts to also now develop direct lending with the, with the Japanese banks. So it's, it's all about just long-term being here. We have people on the ground in Tokyo probably at least four times a year. Uh, we come on a regular basis. We receive our good friends in Norway when they visit Europe. So it's all about just continuing on that uh, very foundation of being long-term uh, partner with our uh, with our partners and also being financial partners, but also charters and and operators. Thank you. And uh, for you, Edwin, with uh, with Solvang being a major LPG shipping uh, player, obviously Japan is an important uh, country when it comes comes to that commodity as well. But Solvang being you know maybe more of a, a TC or a ship owner that uh, time charters out its its vessels. Japan has maybe not has had the same importance for you in terms of, uh, of um, you know, uh, chartering and, and, uh, and new buildings. You haven't built a ship here for a while. So for you, I guess you've pursued financing in Japan on a standalone basis, not necessarily linked to cargoes. How have you uh, found that experience? Has, do you feel that it's more difficult to pursue that type of business when there's no natural link to like an operator or a charter or something like that? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, well, that's a good, uh, it's a good question. We, uh, as you said, we uh, constructed vessels here about 20 years ago, but since then I haven't really been able to do so. So for the last 10 years or so, we've been focusing on the financial side mainly. Um, and and uh, for us, that's, uh, that was a bit of a, it was a, bit of a long process in a way. Uh, we spent several years traveling here uh, before the first deal was made, and I think what was really important then was to, to have a clear story 
a transparent story showing uh, showing you know our, our the quality in our operations and once we uh, once we got the first uh, jolco uh, done which was on a small older vessel the next one came fairly quickly um, and then it's grown exponentially now we have uh, we have a traditional debt uh, lending we have jolcos we have done sale leasebacks we have equity partners and we even have joint venture now so the targeting the financial side has also generated uh, business in itself but i think uh, the, the uh, since we didn't really have a product business as such in japan the uh, the biggest hurdle we found was really the having a track record if you don't have a track record it's hard to get one right um, but uh, it is really worthwhile and um, yeah, very pleased with what we've achieved. So, <clears throat> a bit of a controversial topic, maybe, but uh, shipping, well, that shipping is a very highly cyclical industry. It's not controversial. Everyone in this room knows that. Hmm. But uh, I have a feeling, that's my impression, having worked with the Japanese market for a while, that uh, cyclicality works a little bit different in Japan than it does in the Western world. Um, to, to you, Nikos, what is your uh, experience with, with lenders and lessors through the different points in the cycle? Like, you know, in, just to help you along the way, if you see, you know, four or five years ago, the Western lenders were not really there to support commodity shipping and ship owners. Uh, what role did Japan play for, for Starbolt back then? I think uh, what we need to clarify in order to be able to do uh, business in, in Japan, you have a major hurdle to clear, which is basically built uh, a relationship that takes time. So whether it's for Starbucks or for any other shipping company, you need to invest the time to build a relationship, to be tested, both in uh, good, but to be honest, more in bad markets. Mm. And that's where corporate relationships and personal relationships are tested. And once you come out of that, holding a good reputation in the Japanese market, that will follow you, I think, for most of your career in shipping. So I'm making that, uh, that entry point because this is the basis of any kind of uh, uh, answer to the cyclicality question, whether it's financing, which uh, I fully agree that during difficult times, based on the asset uh, used for um, sale and lease pack, uh, or traditional financing, we have experienced extremely good support and now that uh, the tables are turning again and uh, financing in Japan is as we also heard earlier in the previous panel is a bit more tight and a bit more expensive we as Starbucks need to find a way to continue engaging the financing community in, uh, in Japan even if it is at a marginal cost uh, differential um, I think also on the uh, rest of the operational front whether it is TC in or uh, getting uh, opportunities for new buildings. Uh, you cannot qualify however big you are unless you have built the track record. And that can be easily lost. So um, I think that's of paramount importance from anywhere you look at the Japanese market. Thank you. I guess, uh, Edwin, when, when you guys financed uh, some of your um, ethylene carriers out here, uh, you know. Yes, you ordered them at a low point in the cycle and the vessels had a very cheap new building price, but uh, 
but the state of the underlying market was not fantastic. How did you experience the support from, from the lenders and the terms that they were willing to give relative to what you were seeing from, from Western banks? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. And uh, as you said, those vessels were ordered at the perfect time, really, because they were <laughs> very cheap, uh, new build price. But when they came out, the market wasn't great. And uh, we experienced uh, that the European banks were a little bit reluctant to give, uh, not to give the, to, to make the debt available, but the pricing was a bit off. And uh, we used our established uh, uh, kind of track record and connections in Japan and received really competitive financing. And what we see is really it's uh, a, the two markets, the European ones that we, uh, that we use a lot and, and also the Japanese move a bit differently between each other. And maybe, and maybe that's just our experience, but the, uh, the Japanese here, they focus a little bit more on the, the relationship and the track, track record you have rather than the short-term market in a way. So that's very valuable for us to have, uh, have a foot in both, both camps, so to speak. Uh, Stamatis, you've, um, <clears throat> you've used the Japanese uh, sale and leaseback market uh, quite extensively, and obviously sale leasebacks by nature are typically done at higher LTV than, than traditional bank loans. Uh, how, how has that market helped you sort of uh, uh, stretch your equity and and uh, and free up liquidity for you. Has that been impactful for your company? Well, um, as I mentioned before, we didn't use uh, the uh, Japanese leasing market uh, for getting uh, you know lower equity and higher leverage. Um, we have been fortunate to have raised uh, a big amount of uh, capital from the U.S. capital markets in the last few years. So we were very very well capitalized when we started in doing. Uh, the Chinese, uh, sorry, the Japanese uh, leasing deals. For us, it was uh, a matter of choice, as I mentioned before. It, it was a matter of, uh, um, you know, big investment in the country, because, um, you know, since we have not done any new buildings the last few years, we have decided to um, invest in our relationships in other forms. Uh, selling leasebacks was one of them. Chartering was another. So for us, uh, having the ability of getting funding from another, from a number of sources high-level funding, uh, you know, from a number of sources globally, uh, from China, from Europe, from America. Um, for us, it was a matter of uh, decision to invest in the country and to invest in people, because when you do sell and leasebacks or when you do direct lending, uh, the way that the whole deal is structured is not like so bilateral as it seems, even though at the end of the day you have two or three signatures on a piece of paper, you have so many components associated. You have Japanese owners, you have Japanese banks be behind. So the overall, uh, how do you say it, spread of the name and the spread of uh, fame uh, that, you'd, uh, that you achieve by doing a sale and leaseback deal with uh, Japan is uh, tremendous. So, as I mentioned before, it was a matter of choice for us not uh, to get a higher leverage. That's a very uh, interesting point that you, you make there. Uh, obviously, I think maybe a lot of Western companies don't always think about that aspect, but um, when you do, uh, whether it's a you know, club deal uh, for a senior secured mortgage loan or you do a sale and lease back, uh, you know, Japanese like to ask other Japanese do reference checks on <laughs> overseas companies, and, and if you have done, for example, a sale lease back where there's a strong local owner involved, and that's supported by a, a local um, or regional bank, then, then that obviously carries some weight, and 
if you've performed and, and, um, and done a good job uh, during the execution of that deal, then that obviously follows with you. Um, for you, George, talking about cycles, you're maybe at the peak. I'm not saying peak, because it could go in even higher the way things are looking now, but uh, you're very, at least in, at a very high point uh, cyclically for car carriers. Do you see that as a drawback when you uh, are in discussions with uh, Japanese uh, financiers? Do people point to sort of recent history and that where the market is coming from? Or do you see that there's an ability to take into account that there's a shift in the underlying trade of cars, et cetera, and, and that there's support for, for that? <clears throat> well, I think it's all of the above. I think, I think the, um, the analysts, uh, both from banks and, and financial institutions, they do a very thorough job. I think they are uh, focusing also on, the, on where we came from, that the market was very poor, and want to make sure that that the, that the file and the deal we, we do together is very safe, which I think is, is, is very wise. Um, I think the, the structure that we are setting up to do is quite conservative at the moment. We, we make a lot of cash, but we also then want to make sure that we, in this height of the cycle, we also get rid of a lot of debt and deleverage the company heavily. So, so I think we have a common interest there, a common understanding, and, um, and uh, I think the uh, I would say the, the, the Japanese uh, banks and analysts are, are behaving uh, as expected and very rational and are very extremely professional. So I, I, I see no surprise there. I am very happy with the, with the questions and the dialogue we have with them. And it's very open, very... We are a very transparent company. We have no real secrets. So we tell them everything we know about the market and about ourselves, and, and they seem to appreciate that. And uh, yeah, so I... I think it's fairly straightforward, but it, you know, again, it's long-term, it's relationship, and we want to invest in that. We have done that on chartering, we have built ships there, we know, and we like that. Uh, the car carriers is long-term. You, you buy, you contract out, and you really keep the ships their entire life, and then you recycle them or sell them to second-hand uh, or second uh, trades. So. It's a bit different than other shipping segments where you play the cycles and you sell and buy ships all the time. You, you actually trade them out and you deliver a quality product. I think it's a bit different. Staying on, on a similar <coughs> topic, uh, how do you see the, the role that uh, Japan will play going forward for your business specifically given the big shift towards EV uh, production and EV exports? Uh, clearly, maybe you know China's going to have a well, as much of an impact as, as Japan, but you know that there is a shift going on there. And how do you see that uh, impacting your dealings with Japan? No, so so the, I think you know the, the I mean Japan uh, is still, uh, although uh, China is probably surpassing this year, is it's the largest exporter of cars uh, globally, and they have been for you know for for almost an eternity. So. I think we see it quite natural. Japan is still growing. It's uh, uh, the catching, uh, you know, and Toyota is announcing a lot of very exciting new models. They are, will probably transform the whole battery technology with solid state. We will be driving more than a thousand kilometers on a 10 minute charge. It would change everything. So, so I think right now, yes, China is in the lead. I think everyone was really surprised at Shanghai Auto Show last year when there were 70 new models as well. What happened during COVID here? <laughs> and now the rest, everyone else is catching up. I think it's really the Europeans and, and yeah, which will be losing out. So, which, is, which is great for shipping because 
that means uh, there's more to carry. It's all about Asia to the world. It's not uh, everything else is just backhaul. Mm -hmm. So uh, that that's what matters. And it's 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 Japan, it's Korea, and it's and it's China all together. And when they're all firing on the pistons, we get uh, fantastic markets. Actually. Uh, Nico, maybe we should put some cars on the backhaul, you know, on the caves, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we almost did it with containers, yeah, but uh, we missed that chance. That would be nice. <laughs> um, so, a similar topic uh, for you, or question for you, Edwin. Uh, it has been announced that the Japanese um, utility companies are planning to, to ramp up uh, uh, imports of ammonia, <clears throat> to burn ammonia together with coal, uh, to reduce emissions. How do you see that influencing your business? Well, <clears throat> I'm glad you asked. Uh, you know, Japan is, uh, is an important country for our segment. You know, they're one of the largest users of LPG. So, of course, that's just important to, to maintaining the market itself. But uh, the, uh, the news that they would start importing uh, green slash blue ammonia um, uh, to replace some of the coal is, is good news for our industry. And particularly the vessels that we have, which are the largest ones that transport ammonia. So I think that could that could seriously impact our our segment and our business um, if the volumes come as uh, as sort of communicated, 26, 27, and beyond. Uh, it could mean a lot in the ammonia carrier side for sure. So that's um, it's very interesting, and it's a, it's a it's a very good project. And I think Korea is looking at some of the same. For um, dry cargo, uh, one topic which hasn't been a, a topic for discussion during uh, this um, conference, but, but something that uh, Fernley is quite engaged in is uh, subsea minerals. And uh, I think uh, Japan has always been um, a large importer and processor of, of, of metals and raw materials. Uh, do you see um, the cargo flows for uh, dry bulk uh, both in and out of uh, Japan changing in the years to come. Uh, Nikos and Stamatis, maybe let you go first, uh, Stamatis. Um, on the contrary, we see a, a, an increased uh, demand uh, for uh, raw materials uh, from Japan. Uh, our close uh, partners here have been in increased needs for ships. Uh, to be honest, uh, the minute that we buy a ship, we get an automatic request by our close friends here for chartering. And a big part of our fleet is uh, transporting coal and uh, iron ore to Japan. So we don't really see a slowdown. On the contrary, we have seen the last uh, couple of years after COVID, especially a big increase in uh, raw materials imports uh, in Japan. So we're very happy that uh, there is an alternative market to China as far as uh, steel production is concerned. and. Uh, you know, the, I believe that Japan has a strategic advantage of high-quality steel globally, and uh, steel is a commodity that is going to be used for the foreseeable future in a number of uh, infrastructure projects uh, around the world. So I don't see any slowdown. You can debate about oil, you can debate about oil products and a number of other sources of uh, uh, energy, but uh, steel is a required uh, commodity for the global infrastructure growth. And I think that Japan has and should maintain their strong strategic advantage in producing high-quality steel for the global infrastructure uh, growth. I know, Nikos, if you have. Uh, I agree with Stamatis Nicolas. I think uh, Japan will continue playing a, playing a very key role uh, in the dry bulk space. Uh, I am a bit worried about coal, 
uh, eventually being replaced by uh, ammonia for, the, for a better cause. But of course, this will be a long development process globally. Um, what is important and we should touch upon is that uh, geopolitical events have uh, had a serious impact in uh, creating additional routes everywhere. Uh, unfortunately, dry bulk shipping and tankers perform typically better when there is turmoil. Uh, and I'm saying, unfortunately, because we don't expect uh, geopolitical events to normalize anytime soon. Uh, regarding uh, trade flows, the fact that we have new technology that is much waited for and it's not ready yet, where shipyards being full for other segments and thank you to container ships and big tankers for not leaving much space for bulk carriers. Um, we feel that uh, there will be a better demand going forward for less ships. Uh, if we have the environmental regulation decarbonization kicking in next year with CII really taking an impact, even if we, most of us disagree with the formula, we expect speed, operating speed to reduce. A 1% reduction in the split of dry bulk fleet is equal to 6% reduction of supply. Mm -hmm. So yes, there will be changes and shifts in demand. Uh, China is still sleeping. It was a bit unfair to expect them to wake up last October and come back to full demand. So whilst we remain focused to our, our Japanese clients, we believe we're able to offer a service, a competitive service, uh, simply because there is a lot of, of trade that will allow us to reposition ships as best as possible for both parties. Thanks. <clears throat> I have a question regarding um, propulsion technology, and that's something that's touched upon. There's always a panel on every shipping conference about propulsion technology, and, and there was one on, on, in this conference as well. But you know, Japan being, I would say today, predominantly maybe a, a dry bulk uh, builder in terms of ships, at least for export, uh, how do you see their ability, you know, how advanced are they relative to, to the Koreans and, and Chinese uh, in terms of promoting new to propulsion technology? You know, I have the impression that the Japanese have always lagged a few steps behind, but they do that on purpose because they'd rather produce something that's proven and works well in an optimal way so that you know that what you get is like the perfect workhorse rather than always being at the cutting edge. Uh, but do you see that changing recently? Maybe you, Nikos, first. Um, that's the main reason uh, I've been here personally this week. Uh, it has been a long time uh, with COVID that we've been able to come to see our shipyard friends. Uh, I cannot agree more with you than uh, that it is the place we're looking for innovation. Um, we do expect uh, the optimal designs to come out uh, from Japan. There is time because of the fuel uncertainty, so we understand that both on the methanol uh, and the ammonia front, there is a huge amount of work. Some of our friends here are dealing with uh, the ammonia on Newcastle Mass, which is we're very interested upon. Um, but I think uh, we will see the new designs uh, coming in probably in, in a couple of years. Tested technology like DF uh, methanol is there. And of course, some of the Japanese shipyards have been very active already. Uh, but we, as Starbucks, we need to see uh, the flow of uh, the new uh, green fuels coming in. Uh, so there are some doubts on the ability to build up e-methanol uh, uh, substantial enough uh, to support uh, 
shipping in an economical uh, sense. But uh, as with every new market, uh, when it, everything sets out and starts, it's expensive. So we believe with more demand and more optimization of supply, the designs from the Japanese yard that will come out in the next couple of years will meet uh, the fuel supply. And I think all of us are looking to get an opportunity to have a glance at the latest design. We were fortunate enough to do that back in 2012 when we experienced the best possible designs when we saw the results here in Tokyo. We could not believe the innovation only within you know, three to five years, maybe more than 30 or 35 percent reduction in consumption. So we are expecting similar uh, developments in the next uh, couple of years. Uh, Edwin, for, for you who are in a segment where uh, I guess Japan is, has lost its uh, market position in terms of uh, being a producer and exporter. You know, Japan used to be uh, a leader in, in LPG and LNG um, vessel production um, and have since been surpassed by Korea. What do you think it will take for Japan to regain its position as a leading uh, uh, LPG shipbuilder? Well, that's a good question. Um, but what we've seen, uh, you know, as I said in the beginning, it's 20 years since we built a vessel here in Japan, uh, 2003 and 2004. And since then, uh, Japan was lagging a little bit versus Korea in terms of the vessel development being uh, the size and, uh, and flexibility and efficiency. Um, so, and they're still lagging a bit on the, on the size side compared to uh, some of the Korean designs and also some of the Chinese designs. But what, uh, what was, has been one of the great things with the Japanese built vessel is the quality. And that we've seen on our 20-year-old uh, large gas carriers built here, the quality is, uh, is impeccable. So I think they, they certainly need to focus on that, but they also need to be at the forefront of uh, because in, in LPG, LPG, it's you know the cubic meters of the vessel is, is key. So they need to be at the forefront of and, and pushing the, the envelope on the size, really. Um, and in terms of propulsion, um, in LPG today, that's predominantly dual fuel LPG, and uh, Japan is doing that as well. So I, I don't think that's such a, such a big difference, really. Um, question is, you know, what's next? That's for sure. And, and that's something that our segment obviously is equally occupied with. Um, but yeah, um, they need to maintain the, the quality on focus, as a focus on quality, for sure. And um, Georg, if you look at uh, your industry or segment, uh, you know, some of the leading charters are the, the Japanese operators. Uh, they are also utilizing a lot of ships, taking them in on long-term contracts, not necessarily built in Japan. Do you see um, that there's a way for, for the Japanese uh, shipyard industry to regain uh, its foothold on the car carriers? I, I think they can if they want. I, I think, unfortunately, I mean, car carriers are a bit different. You know, of course, they build for, for the big three here in Japan, uh, you know, strategic or uh, also early development with new technology. But I think really, you know, it's... To build a car carrier takes up a lot of space in the, in the shipyard. Uh, it's a very inefficient building process, and usually the series are not that long. So it's, we see it also now in Korea. The Koreans are not really interested either. So, so that's why you see with the current order book, 
everything is really being produced or not every, yeah, 90 percent at least is being now built in China. And another factor of that is, of course, now China is growing on their exports. So it's quite natural that the Chinese companies like BYD, Costco and so forth, they would like to build locally as the Japanese did when they built up their fleets. I think there is some geopolitical things here as well. So um, we, we have built in Japan. We would love to build uh, in Japan again. But I, I don't think the shipyards really want to build. So, and that's also fully understandable. So we go where the people would like to build because it's always good to do, do deals with people who really like to, 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 to help you. Um, Stamatis, um, changing uh, direction a bit here. You know, during COVID, it was impossible to, to travel. Um, Japan was one of the countries that was uh, particularly hard to, to get into. Uh, and we've all heard the panelists say that, you know, traveling here, getting FaceTime, building the relationship on the personal level is really important to, to achieving business, business success here. Um, how hard did you find it to, you know, try to develop business while you couldn't travel here? Did you feel that your Japanese counterparties managed to adapt to uh, the Zoom and Microsoft Teams uh, world that we all lived in for a couple of years, or, or did you experience a slowdown in, in the interaction? No, on the contrary. Uh, we did a lot of business uh, here in uh, Japan. During uh, COVID, uh, that's where we invested about a quarter of a billion in buying uh, second-hand ships from Japanese owners, doing so much uh, chartering and so much financing. So with a lot of uh, friends here in the room, we have spent hours and hours in Zoom meetings and Teams meetings and little pictures on the monitors uh, seeing each other for hours due to the time difference. So it has been time-consuming, but uh, if you operate in good faith and trust, even through a computer screen, you can make it happen. So um, part of our rapid growth the last three years have been achieved during uh, the COVID period, buying ships, doing leasing, uh, doing uh, direct financing, a lot of chartering, a lot of discussions about energy saving devices. And I'm going to go back to the previous uh, discussion. A lot of um, innovation that we install, uh, that we install on the ships has been invented from Japanese makers 20 or 30 years ago, like the propeller Boscap fins uh, in Mitsubishi in the 80s. So uh, by installing on that, it shows how forward-looking the Japanese innovation is. So today we're installing technology that was invented 30 years ago or more to make the ships more efficient. So going back to the previous point, uh, based on our discussions with our good uh, charters here and a lot of our trading houses, like Itochu and Mitsui, we are uh, trying to innovate and make the existing ships uh, more um, you know, efficient as possible before the breakthrough in the new fuel uh, happens. But COVID, going back to the, uh, original, to the original question, has been challenging times for the humanity, but uh, with good faith, with trust, and a lot of screen time, literally a lot of screen time, we managed uh, through these little windows on the screen to do great business here in Japan. So do you think uh, going forward that one could uh, reduce the number of trips to Japan to uh, conclude new business or is it... Uh... Again, on the contrary, we have decided that at least three or four times per year we will be here in Japan uh, to maintain our relationships, to grow uh, our um, business and to make new friends as we have successfully done in the past, uh, the past year. So on the contrary. Okay, so key takeaway, still important to uh, get FaceTime out here. 
Um, I think that's uh, that's it from from us. If there are any questions, you know, feel free to ask now or or uh, pull one of us aside uh, in the break. But uh, thank you to the panelists. Thanks. <laughs>